Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens, strength coach. I run Strength Guild, USSF. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and amateur boxer. Yeah. <laughs> and this is officially Dr. John Mike here. I earned my PhD in exercise science Woo! from the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah, just this past week. And uh, team member and columnist for Lead FTS and other consumer fitness magazines. And I'm ready to get back to my normal training session this next week. Nice. This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm an exercise physiologist, teach for Globe University, uh, run my own business, and director of education, the Mindset Performance Institute. All right. Hey, we are um, going to start with achievements, achievements in training. Uh, actually, John, for you, it's, well, on the knowledge side, it's an achievement. So we got to get to that. So you are Dr. John Mike, baby. That's right. Yeah, that's right. How'd it go? Yeah. How'd, how'd it go? Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. What about the defense? Did it well, go well? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The defense was really good. Um, you know, they allot two hours, you know, for everybody. And I think my presentation with questions um, was about 45 to 50 minutes. And then, you know, they take you out of the room and your friends and family take you out of the you know, they, Everyone leaves and, you know, the committee talks amongst themselves. And, and uh, that was about 15 minutes. And they just brought me back in and, you know, I was to say congratulations and all the committee members said like some really nice things everybody loved the presentation and said i was just really confident up there and um, just have a really you know good unique presence and and uh you know they signed all their paperwork and stuff and then you know we all like went to you know lunch afterwards one of my committee members went to lunch with us with my family and so it was nice it was a, it was a good day i mean the, the the several days leading up to that was probably like the most stressful because um i left for san jose this last friday um, not two days ago, but the week before. And uh, that Thursday, I was meeting with my um, chair to just go over some things and go over the PowerPoint, and I had to pack, and, and I was left for California. I spoke on Saturday, um, like May 2nd, and I came back Sunday, turn around and do more edits, meet with my chair again Tuesday for another three hours and uh, get things together and pick up my family. And so uh, this past week has probably been like, I would say the worst in terms of the training just because everything else was just more priority. But, uh, right. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just starting to just, I mean, it's, it really is like a huge relief. I mean, I got to turn in some paperwork, you know, tomorrow for graduate studies and they actually give you 90 days to submit your dissertation, uh, up online. You have to submit it online through, uh, you know, specific, you know, websites that, you know, through UNM, and mm-hmm. um, so it, it's, it's it's funny, like some people have asked me, like, you know, how do you mm-hmm. feel? How do you feel? And I mean, it's obviously it's a great feeling as I don't know, Mike and Lonnie know. But at the same time, it's it's kind of um, like anticlimactic, you know, like you've worked so long and so hard for something. And and it, it, they act, it's kind of people feel that, well, oh, my God, you just won like you know, eight Olympic gold medals or something like that. I mean, it's it's kind of anticlimactic, but. It's all, but at the same time, it's, it's such a great feeling. And you know, some people have asked me, has it has it hit you yet? And I'm like, no, it's it's going to be at least six months, probably closer to a year. You know, I know it Mike sets in. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Nelson can uh, probably agree with this, but it's as much a relief as it is a sense of oh, accomplishment. Yeah. It's like, yeah. God, finally, you know, because there's yeah. so many edits and reworking and reworking and all that stuff. And yeah. you feel like you want to sleep for like three weeks straight <laughs> I, I, I know it's, it's funny because uh my family was in town and we went to for like a, a few hour drive through um you know uh aspects of like new mexico and stuff and like probably within an hour into it like i was just dozing off <laughs> and i would just want to just go to sleep <laughs> but yeah it's, it's, i'm still kind of coming down um just kind of like mentally and emotionally mm-hmm 
but uh, I mean, it, it's a great feeling. I mean, um, it's just it's kind of hard to explain. But uh, I'm actually in the early process of uh, writing a series of articles for Elite FTS, just about the journey and my experience, you know, through the you know through the process and stuff. So. It's good to let people know, you know, what you go yeah. through. In fact, the topic today, everyone is. KSAs, right? So the government, when you apply for a job, it's knowledge, skills, abilities. So these are different categories, right? And so I think it's good for a lot of people in the uh, the fitness community, like the powerlifting media, if you will, because it's really sprung up as sort of its own media, uh, you know, YouTube and podcasts and everything. But I think people need to recognize what goes into the K, you know, the knowledge part, in fact, John's dissertation defense, uh, successful defense, is part of the reason we're going to do this topic on KSAs. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. L- let's check in with everybody real quick, and we'll get back to you, John, of course. Um, how about you, Phil? How's the boxing going? Is there um, any news on that front? Yeah, it's going good. This is my first week of live sparring. So mm. um, within 10 seconds, I got punched in the nose. So, and that was a quick reminder to put your hands up. Um, yeah. No, and like my coach said, you know, afterwards I was like, you know, I, I said, yeah, you taught me how to keep my hands up real quick. He's like, well, I did that for two reasons. He said, number one, get your hands up. Number two, we need to see what happens when you get punched in the face. So, yeah, because, it, you know, like I was telling these guys before the show, it's been like I've never been punched in the face in a controlled environment where I'm supposed to get punched in the face. So we right. just had no idea how I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd compose myself after the fact. So, and the last thing you want, you know, is just to go bananas. Absolutely. You know? yep. And you got to keep your head about you. And, you know, luckily I did that. I mean, I, I, it woke me up, got my hands up, and it was like, okay, I don't want that to happen again. I want to do that to him. Um, right. But we were in there for an hour and a half, and I have never sweated so much in my life, I don't think. And it was, uh, like I to, it's, it's the best shoulder workout I've ever had. I mean, it got to the point, 90 minutes in, it was just like, I had to call it. It was like, I'm done. I cannot, I can't hold my hands up anymore. They're just falling, yeah. and you're just <laughs> turning my face into hamburger. So, <laughs> it's like, I just can't protect myself. Anymore. You know, Phil, I know exactly uh, what you're saying, whether it was, um, like, tournament taekwondo or kendo. You know, kendo, uh-huh. of course, you use the, you know, the bamboo swords. Yeah. But if someone rocks your head, it's yeah. a real skill. It's sort of a discipline to be able to keep focusing on the other guy because yeah you you can't get angry you can't become hysterical you know what i mean you're right it's weird to hear you say it like that but it's a controlled environment it's like you just got rocked let's see how you handle it yep you have to shrug it off and keep rolling you know fix whatever you did wrong and it's fun i mean i got a lot of uh, i was talking to matt vincent about this like the same reason i'm a crappy boxer is the same reason i'm a poor a-class thrower it's mainly footwork that I need to get mm. down now. Mm. Um, mm. <clears throat> so, and our biggest thing is getting me to put weight on my left side. Because, oh, like, through sure. my whole life, for the last 31 yep. years, I, I favor the right side. And I always put all my weight over there. So it's just learning how to shift onto, onto both legs. Will it hurt uh, or no? That doesn't hurt. I just don't know how to do it. Oh, you know? uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we're doing bar drills where I'm ducking under a bar, going back and forth, side to side. And even when I lean to the left, it's like everything is still on my right foot. Hmm. <clears throat> because I'm just used to keeping weight on my right foot so it's just retraining myself to put weight over there and then just it's just learning the skills it's just going to take like i'm not going hard right now i'm trying to do things right so gotcha yep you know lead the punches the right way and and things like that and like using lighter weights when you're mastering technique in a squat or something exactly you know and it's just going to be it's going to be probably literally months of that and it'll probably never end the skill work um so but no it was a lot of fun and then just getting my conditioning up you know, I'm real good at going really hard for, you know, one to 20 seconds and then resting for 10 minutes. <laughs> now it's like you need to go hard for three minutes and rest for one minute. <laughs> you know? right. So yeah. it's that that I have to get, get used to. But, yeah, it's a blast, man. I had a blast out there and I sparred again yesterday. So nice. and All kinds of new PRs, like weird PRs. Like, yeah. you know, it's a personal record that you can take a controlled blast in the nose and yeah. rebound from that. Hey, that's a new accomplishment. Yeah. You've never done that before, So you know. And then I stole a stole a, a piece from Dave Tate when he was doing when he switched to bodybuilding. He started doing those time sets mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, I'll go just go for thirty seconds while I'm pushing that up and squat, and I'm trying to do two minute squat sets. Oh, geez. so I'm up to a minute and fifteen now, and I was just wrecked. 
I moved from a minute to a minute 15, and that was the longest extra 15 seconds of my life. Dude, there is but, nothing more devastating um, than high rep squats. Yeah. You oh, know. God. Or, I or, up, yeah, exactly. I added it up after the work, after the fact, and you know, I worked up to a heavy single first, and so I didn't even count that in the volume, but I, I ended up squatting 15,000 pounds of volume in like two minutes and 45 seconds. So yeah, total work. And it was like, I am wrecked. For about three days after, I was walking really funny. But, it's funny. Um, you know, it's, at that point, it's just, it's not that heavy. I'm doing 225. Right, right. But it's like on rep 57, your body's just like, no. You're right. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, your low back starts to go. You know, your legs turn to noodles. Yeah, I don't on, know. learning to breathe. That's the other thing I'm having to do in boxing. Like, yeah. everything I've done yeah, is hold your breath and use your power. So I find myself, I'm freaking throwing punches, holding my breath. And then I'm, <sighs> you know, after I cluster of punches, and I got to learn to, I have to learn to breathe through everything. Yeah, um, it just makes you really appreciate just the different avenues and, and, and skills of just sports oh, in yeah, general. I mean, totally. and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, like one time, like I went um, sailing, and um, this was like, you know, 14, 15 years ago. And of course, I was a lot smaller and a lot less, you know, pretty weak then in my early stages of training. But uh, I mean, I was just like trashed. I mean, it's just, they're yeah. just different yep. skills, yes. and I think people just don't really appreciate, you know, it doesn't mean, like, you know, don't try them, don't yes. try those skills, um, but it just makes you appreciate just just movement. you got to get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, you do, and, and uh, um, just, it, I, it's just something that I think we all just recommend people do, just try some different things. It doesn't mean you're going to be an Olympic athlete with it. Right. <laughs> Hey, uh, all right, Mike, what about you? Anything exciting lately? I mean, obviously, we're getting ready for this Japan trip here. Yeah, yeah, getting ready for we'll be in Japan. Um, I'm leaving this coming uh, Wednesday. I think you're leaving on Tuesday, I think. Right, that's right. So, yeah, I've just been doing a lot of traveling. was um, at the Fitness Summit last weekend presenting, which was fun. Sweet. And, uh, Paleo FX in Austin before that was uh, kiteboarding down in uh, Texas, before that on the same trip and was down doing a four-hour seminar at a crossfit gym and detour in rochester yesterday so it's it's been pretty busy you are a busy man holy crap yeah so yeah training's been yeah so so i mean just kind of working a little bit more on conditioning and stuff and um that's been coming better i mean i did a four-hour session kiteboarding in texas and the only issue was just a couple spots on my hands actually the spots that touch the bar that normally aren't on a lifting bar isn't that funny yeah the spots. callus areas don't yeah help. the callus part was fine it was just the other parts it's like oh wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know yeah, i get a little well. bit like that even with powerlifting versus bodybuilding moves like where the bar gets you is just a little yeah. bit different from where my calluses are i know what you're saying yeah yeah, so um, that was good. Got you know about four seconds of air, and it didn't completely utter freak out and mm-hmm. landed it. So that was a positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well, you know, as far as myself, I'm not going to go on too much. Um, yeah, I'm just really swamped. I just had to turn in final grades. I'm trying to manage to lift like twice a week. Because, like you, John, it's just there are times where you have to prioritize. Well, like with the KSAs, it's bo- it's more about on the intellect side right now, and I've got to back off on the ability side, and I hate that because I start if you, if I don't exercise at least two or three times a week, I start feeling stagnant. I don't know how else to say I it. Know. Just like yeah. you know, not cl- not clean and refreshed because I don't get the blood flowing, and I don't know. But anyway, yeah. and then of course, yeah, I've got online classes starting Monday. You know, and then Tuesday I'm going to be in another country while I'm teaching online classes and going to a, a big international meeting to present data. Jesus. So I guess everybody's well, like, busy. When are you taking a vacation? <laughs> right. No, I know. And when I get back, of course, there's ISSN, and that's like the first week of June down in Austin. Mm-hmm. Are you so, going to be at ISSN, Lenny? Uh, the current plan is probably uh, if nice. I can get the school to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. so, we'll see. I'll be... I'll be presenting there this year, too. So Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, a, a quick bit of news here uh, before we go to break in the topic. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank uh, Michael uh, for his recent donation. Uh, that's very appreciated. We need to get back to thanking a lot of the people who are regular donors or one-time donors. Holly, uh, you know who you are. Um but most significantly, uh, Michael, and I'll omit your last name just for uh, confidentiality reasons, but thank you for the $50 donation that helps helps us pay the bills, you know, keep the lights on. 
Also, uh, I have built up quite a nice little cache of prizes, and we need to do a summer contest. So we can all talk about this uh, off-air, I suppose. One of the things I thought we might do is let listeners share their achievements, like on our Facebook mm-hmm. page. You know, like, what what have you done in the last month, you know, that's a, a training achievement? And then we'll just randomly or, you know, judging-wise pick the best one. Uh, but, I mean, I've got books. I've got headphones. I've got protein bars. And this is stuff that's just sort of building up on me. So... There's some cool swag I've got here. I mean, these are brand new, nice, thick books. You know, I love to give away textbooks because it, sh- <laughs> it shares the knowledge a little, you know, the K in KSA. So um, look for that coming up. That probably won't transpire until late late May when I can breathe. <laughs> when you I got can nothing breathe. else going on, Lonnie. Come on. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's funny to listen to everybody. Everybody's taking on new challenges and multitasking. You know, mm. it's a bunch of overachievers. Um, <laughs> news-wise, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe, Mike, you're, you'd be most interested, although all you guys are familiar with this, but uh, there's an article on Mercola.com. I like to touch on these guys every once in a while because they're sort of alarmist, you know, and then yeah. he baits you. Of course, he baits you by saying stuff like, are you missing this vital nutrient? And then he won't give you any info unless you go click on his site, you know, because he wants hits. Yeah, yeah. And you can't really fault him, I guess, for that. But um, this one's about vitamin D. It says the real RDA for vitamin D is 10 times higher than currently recommended. Hmm. Uh, I won't go into this in, in gory detail, but story at a glance, it says. Uh, the Institute of Medicine's recommended RDA for vitamin D underestimates the need by a factor of 10 due to a mathematical error. Now, I've never heard this mm. mathematical error explanation. Mathematical error. Um, it, it used to be that they suggested 400 international units a day. Now they want 600. Uh, but yeah. the literature is pretty clear. You need two or 3,000 IUs a day yeah. to get your blood levels, you know, serum concentrations up in a good range. He's challenging the serum concentration thing. So let me give you a couple of tidbits that... Um, you know, you could take with a grain of salt, but I think they're good points. Um, one it says the Institute of Medicine posits that a vitamin D serum level of 20 nanograms per milliliter is adequate, but many researchers believe that is too low. 20 nanograms per mil has been shown to be inadequate, even for prevention of osteomalacia, or you know, weak bones. Uh, to ascertain your ideal dose, you need to test your vitamin D level, and I don't think we would disagree with that. Uh, he says, aim to get above 40 nanograms per milliliter uh, and take whatever dose you need to reach and maintain that level. So one of the things he says in here is, you know, we're always talking about individual differences in training. Well, in this case, people vary widely between inter, uh, inter- individual differences with um, how they respond to a certain dose. Uh, like, for example, I think I, my serum levels shoot up pretty readily when I take vitamin D. Uh, And maybe other people need more, you know, to get to that same blood level. Mm -hmm. So it says, um, questions still remain about how much is needed. Dr. Robert Heaney, MD, is one of the premier vitamin D researchers in the world. Uh, He's involved with this D-Action project, D-Star Action. One of the things they're looking at is vitamin D economy. And I think this is a neat concept. I've heard of carbohydrate economy before, you know, how much you eat versus how much you spend. Uh, But this is vitamin D economy, and I just think it's a neat concept. It says um, it's the amounts coming in and out that are the balance that's really important, he says. That's where I've been focusing my work for the past 25 years. So in other words, you know, you've got to think about how much you're exposing your skin to the sun, how much vitamin D is in the food you've got, how long it lasts in your body, you know, that sort of thing. So this whole concept of vitamin D economy is interesting, and I think that's why people vary uh, from one person to another, even when they're taking the same dosage. Uh, let's see. It's worth noting that a common issue imp- is it impairing your liver's ability to produce 25-hydroxy-D. That's the kind of D that we, we check for in your blood when you, you know, for blood levels. And he says non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, like in people who are either obese or even consuming lots of fructose, could impair your liver's ability to produce uh, 25-hydroxy-D or maintain blood levels. So, he again, he's pushing this grassroots health uh, D-asterisk action, D-action 
uh, program. And he makes some final notes here, too, that when you increase your D, it might also be helpful to increase vitamin K and magnesium in order to get the best effect. So, I don't know. I don't think it's a lot of... It's brand new news or anything about you need more than the government says you need. You know, for 600 IUs, I think we can all agree that's not going to be enough to get your blood levels up. You know, yeah, that's not even going to budge anything. No, no. No. no, there are studies from the late 90s you guys probably saw that you need about, like Lonnie was saying, at least in the one to 2,000, maybe 5,000. Again, if you're extremely deficient, you know, mm-hmm. to start to accumulate enough over, you know, a several week period so that the blood levels actually start to go up again. The yeah. IOM historically has been very, very low on yeah. their amount of, of vitamin D, and they just don't seem to want to change that for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. I mean, you talk about hypervitaminosis and, you know, with excess D and stuff, but D is pretty innocuous. I, you could end yeah. up with calcium deposits in your soft tissues, and there's some weird stuff you wouldn't want, you know, but yeah, you'd have to. I don't think anybody's going to be in trouble taking their uh, two or three thousand units a day. I mean, obviously, yeah, check I, with your yeah, doctor. I, I take two thousand IU's every single day. Uh, yeah, with the yeah. studies that came out that says it's related to physical strength. Uh, there's some. Oh yeah. There's some back and forth about testosterone, but even aside from that, uh, they've done meta analyses on upper and lower body strength. I thought it was interesting that they looked at it differently because my caffeine work, I look at them separately. You know, upper versus lower, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much argument that when you look at a meta-analysis, right, and listeners, of course, if you're not familiar, that's a study of other studies. So that's not just one paper. That's mm-hmm. lots of studies, and the consensus in the literature says vitamin D makes you stronger. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, I'd say that the caveat with that, too, is also that it's assuming that most people are actually low in vitamin D. That's right. right? So there's a crossover point where taking more, you're not going to see a performance increase. But if you're extremely low, yeah, you're probably going to see a slight bump then. So Right. Replacing a deficiency is always going to have a greater effect than hyperdosing. It's the same thing with like omega-3 fats and that sort of thing. You know, I think we're replacing a deficiency in a sense. So that's why it's so pluripotent. You see benefits across so many things. You know, it's, it's one of the few things I think that here in the States we're actually deficient in. You know, because, of course, with uh, enrichment laws and fortification and people popping vitamin supplements and everything, we're not deficient in as many things. But D is one of them, I think. Yeah, and D is the one historically, and just a multivitamin tends to be on the lower end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, it's, you know, 100% of the RDA and that type of thing. But as we just talked about, that tends to be very low for most people, especially in northern climates. Yep. I've actually heard uh, the CDC said anything north of Atlanta and you're yeah. probably oh, not yeah. getting enough. Yeah. Well, Jesus, that's pretty much everybody except John. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, it's in Albuquerque here. I mean, hell, it's it's sunny 300 plus days a year, but I still take it. Um, so, but You've yeah, you're right. I'm in the lab. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time uh, inside my house doing a lot of writing here the last several months, but I still make it outside every day. No, I, I hear you. <laughs> it's funny. If, if you didn't get outside, at least your sport gets you outside. Like... When I yeah. go to the gym, I'm really not outside. So, and you know, I have to be careful. I have melanoma in my family, so uh, you know it's always that trade-off. I still try to go out and get a little bit, though. You know, maybe it's the old school bodybuilder. You, you know, watch those old uh, pumping iron videos and stuff, and those guys are out sunbathing and stuff between lifting, and you know, it's just very attractive to me to do that kind of stuff. But I can't, I can't overdo that. Okay. Let's go to break. When we come back, I've got some questions for you guys about KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with VitalBook, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to 
drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Iron Radio listeners are a unique bunch. You value both in-the-trenches skills and the research and evidence that informs it. That's why, as a listener-supported show, we occasionally do funds drives to keep everything free and advancing. Did you know your donations at www.ironradio.org pay for web servers? They allow for small sponsorships of gifted competitors or students and even partly fund research on our specific population. That's what we're asking for during the spring and early summer funds drive. Dr. Lowry, that's me, and some students are on the verge of some key discoveries involving caffeine and explosive lifts, but we need help to get the message out. If you value the authenticity, expertise, and real progress Iron Radio provides, please consider a donation. Any amount is appreciated, but if you could put forward $25 or more and email robertfortney at hotmail.com about it, We'll send you some behind-the-scenes audio lab notes that were recorded during data collection. They offer true insight into what research is like on barbell athletes. Thank you for considering it. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we're back from break. Iron Radio, Dr. John Mike here, Dr. Mike Nelson, Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and of course the almighty Phil Stevens. Um, where our topic today is knowledge, skills, and abilities. So um, what do you got for us, Lonnie? Yeah, I, I got some questions for everybody about this. So uh, the impetus for this topic was, of course, you getting your PhD, right? So that's uh, – you could argue this, uh, and listeners might be like, oh, it's not that simple. No, it's not. But you could argue that PhDs are mostly the K, in KSAs, right? Knowledge, skills, and abilities. As I alluded to earlier in the show, like if you apply for a job on like usajobs.gov or one of these government sites, sometimes they'll ask you about these different categories, right? K, knowledge, S for skills, and A for ability. So PhDs are probably heavy on the K, right? On the knowledge. But any of you who are learned, like I know some of our listeners are like muscle physiologists and that sort of thing. When you're around coaches, you will very quickly feel uh, like you don't have as much on the S side, which is skill, right? So coaches can look for cues and how people are squatting and or they can give you tips about bar placement, foot placement. You get the idea. They have skills, and that's not quite the same thing as knowledge, and like I said, I've been around coaching settings before, and it's sort of humbling because it's like, listen, I know all this stuff about why this is all working, but as far as a lot of hands-on, I'm not a coach, you know. And then, of course, there's A, abilities, and I would argue that's mostly the athletes themselves, right? So they're squatting 
900 plus, you know, like some of the guests oh. we've had on the show and that sort of stuff. That's a crazy ability that, you know, most PhDs are not going to have. Now, having said that, of course, I think we all like to have some mix of K and S and A. Um, uh, let me add, let's start with Phil. Phil, which gets overlooked the most? Like if you think about the fitness media, uh, you know, YouTube, magazines, whatever, uh, or in any setting, really, which of these KSA gets overlooked the most? Yeah, that's Ooh, tough. That's, that's hard. Tough, yeah. <laughs> it depends on who's looking at it. Um, is the thing. I mean, I, I would. I have an answer, but I'll let Phil go first. Of course. Uh, my guess would be skill. Um, would be. I, I mean, geez, but that's hard. I mean, ability is always seen, so it's definitely not ability. Yeah. I yep. mean, because it's just blatant. It's in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. a dude squatting nine hundred versus a dude squatting three hundred five. You know, so, I mean, there's an obvious difference there right away. Um, I think skill and knowledge are both pretty hard to, like, on YouTube to actually yeah. portray well. You know, yeah. it, it's hard to in a 30-second spot to, to show that, hey, look, I'm really knowledgeable on this subject, or to show that you have, you know, proper coaching ability. Um, mm-hmm. Both of those would be very hard to portray on uh, online. So I'm, it, it's a toss-up between those two, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about you, John? What you you had an answer? Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, in terms of like social media and like fitness media, um, I, I I would definitely say it'd be K the knowledge because you get these people that are, like these gurus. And it doesn't really matter if it's a, a two minute YouTube video or whatever it is, but it, it's just like you know you train for a, a bikini contest or something like that for eight, ten, twelve weeks and. It's like the first two weeks, okay, you, you know, you're, you're getting it down pretty good. Then you do your contest and then you diet. And then by the end of the 12 weeks, now all of a sudden you're making meal plans for people and all this other crap. Right. Um, so <laughs> right. I, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely say the knowledge, um, the K and probably the S too. I think Phil's right on, on the knowledge and the, and the skills part because I think it's really important. To have to have probably a good mix of all, but nowadays it it seems like people favor one more like than the other. They're they're heavily on the skills, not so much in the knowledge. Heavy in the abilities and very little in the knowledge and the skills. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think to really to stand out very very well and just an overcrowded saturated market nowadays, you, you need probably a, a very good mix. Of, of, of both, maybe a slight lean toward knowledge and and skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at what we do. I mean, we have to me all of us on the show have all three, mm-hmm. and we and we do it very very well. You know, it's it, it's it's like, you know, I want to squat seven hundred. You know, and 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 but I'm not there yet. You know, I want, I want a seven hundred pound deadlift, but I'm not there yet. But it doesn't mean that my other abilities and my skills are weak too. I mean, for Christ's sake, I have a 320 pound overhead press, you know, mm-hmm. for strongman and stuff. But I think all of us on the show have, have all three very, very well. And that is due to just 16, 20 plus years under the bar and experience. Plus the knowledge that we've gained throughout that time and going to conferences and reading and experimenting mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. So I would definitely say in terms of just social media and fitness media, People really lack on the knowledge side and on the skills. And you touched on something there that I was going to point out, which was I think yeah, we have to be careful because the K, the knowledge side, it can be both academic and experiential. You know, yes. you pick up knowledge from different sources, too. So in some ways, the experiential knowledge almost blurs with the skill. But again, skills more like physical uh, placements, you know, or tensing different muscles or like the way Phil will say, you know, focus on your hamstrings as you start to pull or keep this or that loose for right now, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. But uh, what about you, Dr. Nelson? Uh, most overlooked, K, S, or A? Yeah, I think that the it's kind of like a transfer thing. In, in a perfect world, I think more people do better with learning knowledge and then actually applying it because um, you know this from me, even just in an academic setting, you know, when I was in the lab, people would come in and they would ask, you know, basic exercise questions about, hey, how do I do this or that? And everyone in the lab would always point at me and go, I don't know, talk to him. You know, and it wasn't <laughs> that 
they didn't understand it. It's just that they didn't work as trainers. They never had to apply any of it. Um, but I think online, it's almost the inverse, right? Like what John was saying, you have someone who does really well at an ability and then they assume that they have a lot of knowledge and now can teach people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, I think those things can be a little bit, you know, different. Yes. So the guy or gal who looks really good and it was pretty easy for them to quote unquote get in shape. Now they assume that that what they did for themselves is going to apply to everybody else. Mm-hmm. They don't have the knowledge background of how to, you know, tweak that a little bit. So I think that's where it kind of goes off the rails a bit. Right. Yeah, and, and, and it's uh, somebody posted this really funny picture the other day, and it was about a uh, you know bikini competitors. And like the first week is their is their first workout. The second week is their photo shoot. The third week is their first competition, and by week four, now they got meal plans available for everybody. Mm. So it was <laughs> that's just, that's basically almost like how it works. It's yeah. hilarious. Last week we talked about the just like me error that a lot yeah. of coaches and gurus make right we're you're everybody's just like me i got in shape i got ripped doing this so you do it too you eat a low carb diet or you you know eat a low fat diet or whatever it might be you know the fasting cardio or the interval training whatever it is they take what happened to them not acknowledging that it could be god-given genetic ability or something you know that's letting them have a certain ability uh, instead of right, like you said, that that development from knowledge through skills and toward an ability. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's all a tough one because, I mean, I'd say the lowest tier, sadly, is ability, because I've seen some very able people that have no idea how they got there. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> um, but in today's age, you know, it is that ability that is the first thing that people see. Yeah. You know, in this YouTube yeah. age. You have 15 seconds to catch somebody's attention. Am I going to do that talking about you know lever arms, or am I going to do that deadlifting 780 pounds? I'm going right. to do that deadlifting 780 yeah, pounds. Right. It, yeah. it portrays well online, um, and then then I might have the chance for them to come back and actually listen to something I say. Yeah. So right. right. It's grab a tough, their attention. It's a, yeah, you got to grab their attention and then be able to you know now wow them a little bit and show you can actually read a book. Right. You know, that's the old fallacy like you used to see on the old muscle magazines. I mean, why are the guys on the cover of the magazines? Rob could certainly point out some of these guys. Well, and this isn't universally true. There's a lot of really bright guys like Lee Labrada and that sort of thing. But some of these guys, Rob would say they can barely spell their own damn name, you know, and they're on the cover of a magazine because of the ability to be that huge and ripped. And that's what the young guys admire. Like you say, out of the blocks, it's attention grabbing. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, this guy's got his Ph.D. in something. I don't yeah. know. But, okay, let's move on to the next one. This is sort of a good segue. Uh, let's start with uh, Mike, uh, Dr. Nelson here. How much uh, ability should you have in order to teach or coach? In other words, Ooh. well, let me ask you. I could even make this even beyond that. How much knowledge or skill or ability, you know, any of these categories, do you think you need to teach or coach? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say if you're if you're looking at coaching, right? So the skill set of coaching, I think as long as you're above the person you're teaching, you're probably okay. Although mm-hmm. you run the risk of kind of uh, running out of your buffer zone pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think obviously being a little above that is good. Um, uh, Ability wise, I think is a lot harder. Because obviously the higher your inability, I mean, that's going to be better. Um, but even in you go to like some other gyms, someone who doesn't quite have that ability but has the skill set of looking and seeing what that lifter may be missing or what they could do differently, they may be able to see that, but they may not be able to deadlift 700 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old analogy of the, the NFL coach, right? Most of those guys probably can't compete with any of the players on the field, yeah. but they can look and they can coordinate. They can see, you know, kind of what's going on. It's a good but example. a lot of them were actually players in the past, though, too. So I think it's that's where it gets a little bit more uh, kind of touchy. Right. What about you, John? Uh, in terms of coaching, and I could just speak to my, you know, because all my background is with strength and conditioning and coaching. I would say heavily on the skills 
um, a pretty good amount on the abilities and a moderate to good amount on the knowledge because you see this you see this a lot and and and, and I a lot of the strength coaches that that I know they're very good with the skills and the abilities but when you when they talk about when you hear them just just overall basic like knowledge and it doesn't have to be anything like deep physiological types of knowledge right. but just you know biomechanics and things like that of squatting and deadlifting it's just uh, not all but many um they seem to lack on the on the knowledge part um just just comparable to the skills and ability side so i'm not i'm not saying it's bad or or anything like that it's just comparatively the skills and abilities rank higher than than the knowledge and for I coaching a lot yeah. of yeah i think a lot of coaches can do themselves you know improve a tremendous amount when they're around people that have more knowledge or better knowledge um on on let's say the you know the, the physiological side or the maybe the teaching side or something like that to gain the knowledge and, and to help them increase um the, the knowledge capacity for their specific area so just kind of instead of having a large gap between the knowledge and the skills and ability side you just kind of narrow the gap a little bit um right so I, uh, does that make sense yeah it does you know let me interject something too i just spoke to um a former student of mine she's now um finishing her master's and, and she's a strength coach at a university and, and whatnot and she got an a new certification, not a CSCS, but she got the collegiate strength conditioning certification. But yeah, uh, the CSCCA, right? Yeah. Yes. And some of the questions she was griping on the test, she had to double check. She and it really begs the question: How deep? You use the term deep knowledge. How deep does your knowledge really need to go to be a coach? Because she's like, do I really need to know the rate limiting step of the Krebs cycle? You know, in order yeah. to be a coach, or she, or one of the questions was why NADH creates more ATP than FADH2. And I'm guessing some yeah. of our listeners are snickering about that and other ones are like I don't even know what the hell you're talking about, you know. Yeah, so yeah. do you have to know that, you know, NADH is worth two and a half to 3 ATP because of some kind uh -huh. of mitochondrial, you know, transport? No. No, you no, don't. You don't. You know. And I think a lot of, like what that's a good that's a good point you brought up because um, uh, I, I'm I'm I, I'm on an NSCA certification committee, and that's all I can ever actually say. <laughs> um, but some of those questions, and I'm not talking like I'm just talking certifications in general, no matter which one it is. A lot of those questions, you're right, Lonnie. You don't really need to know those answers, but but you but you have to have so many questions for the specific test, and some of those questions are just kind of fillers, you know. Um, to kind of test your overall basic understanding of just the exercise sciences, kind of you know, weeder it, questions, it, like to weed will. out, yeah. you know, like you said, like almost filler. Like they're let's let's throw in a couple of these because they sound cell biochemistry ish, you know. Yeah, and, but I mean, you're not gonna yeah, you're not gonna program a client or athlete. I mean, no one's gonna program anything based on how many ATP or for NADH and all this other stuff. Exactly. I mean, that's just see that that type of question. Is is me for me personally? It's something that is a pure knowledge, something that you will teach like an exercise phys course, and that's it. You don't need it for skills, and you don't need it for abilities. I uh, I had a friend Ray Eady. He's a strength coach for the basketball program up at uh, UW Madison now. But uh, he said because you know he knows he and I would sit around and sort of geek out a little bit sometimes, and he's like, Lonnie, remember these guys don't give a damn what gluconeogenesis is. You know, and he's got a <laughs> right. good point. Whereas I think, and Phil and I have talked about this in the past too, like how much knowledge you have to have because you should be able to tell your athletes why mm -hmm. you're doing what you're doing. But I think a lot of that goes more on the, um, and it's debatable, but it might be more on the kinesiology side, on the joint mechanics mm -hmm. side that you need the knowledge than just on the biochemistry side. What do you think, Phil? Yeah. Well, it also depends on, you know, my knowledge has to vary depending on my client too. Some, I mean, it's just like us, you know, and just like coaches, there are clients that are more knowledgeable than others. So some of them want to know more than others do, which is fine. Some clients actually want to coach at some point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to speak to them differently. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, most of it is, you know, you need a good knowledge base. You're not going to get anywhere without it. Um, but the, the the skills, I think, is number one. And then 
I I don't think you need to be the best to be a coach, but you got to do it. You know, yeah. you have to be in the ring or in the field or whatever on on the platform to even understand where your athletes are coming from. And you know, for me to coach a, a baseball player, I don't need to be a great baseball player, but I need to be an athlete. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. just have an understanding of, you know, I just made this kid squat five sets of ten, and he's hurting now. You know, yeah. you have to have had that feeling yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the so. one of the uh, abil- one of the components I think the skills which actually comes from the knowledge side is you can have all this knowledge kind of goes back to what Mike said a few minutes ago you can have all this knowledge but not being able to apply it is not going to serve you you know in in any good but also too having the knowledge and then having the skill set to actually break it down for people that don't understand that knowledge is almost an entirely different skill set. And that yeah. comes with just years and years of just doing it over and over and over again to different athletes and different clients um, and using different cues for training, uh, you know, in certain exercises. But that 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 is a skill almost in and of itself. It could be a component of, of the skill, uh, S, you know, KSA, but it's almost like an, a completely different skill. Um, in, in and of itself, so having the ability to actually break things down simply enough to for for other people that have no clue what you're even talking about can can understand it. Right, and you know it's even different. Um, we talk about there's a lot of similarities between teaching in the classroom and then coaching. You know, out on the gym floor, uh, in, in both situations you have to have an, uh, an ability to break things down. You know, you have to have the the sense of how how much you can dumb things down. But one of the huge differences that I see, I'll give you a perfect example. When I teach strength conditioning, I teach, you know, the physiology portion of it because I'm a nutritionist physiologist. I'm not a strength coach. And uh, fortunately at my university, they're very good about saying, yes, we agree. We should have a strength coach teach the strength conditioning lab part of it, not the, not the physiology. So Lana, you do the physiology Let's get a coach come in because, again, I'm heavy on the K, uh, maybe moderate on the skill level, but I don't have the, the S, the skill, mm-hmm. that a coach would. And I think these guys, they need two very distinct things when they learn strength conditioning right at a university level. They've got to understand the underlying why and what's happening in their body, and I'm good with that, no problem. But they then they need the cues and the skills and, like, how do I um, – do a back squat properly or you know like so many of them they want to jump right into the olympic lifts and some of them they you know like we are seeing at the strength camp there phil they can't even squat down you know and and maintain their balance and or they don't have the mobility and i, I don't know what what they think they're going to be able to do but i need a, a coach to come in and help them with yeah. that say listen you're lacking in this or that you know what I mean? So it, it, there is some differences where the teachers need the K and the coaches may be more on the S. But everybody needs everything, of course, like we said. So let me set this up. Last question for all you guys. Um, and this might be kind of hard. But on a 10 scale, rank yourself across all the categories. So K, S, A. Phil, what do you think? Where do, Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is tough, ranking yourself. Be yeah. Don't be too modest, though. You know, let's face um, it. You got your shit together here. KSA on a ten scale. Uh, no skills ability. Man, on my own scale, I would say like a five for K. I mean, I'm always trying to do better, you know. But I mean, I'm nowhere in the knowledge area on many subjects that you guys are. Um, skill in the people I run with, a seven. Yeah, you're pretty um, up there. I think you might be and, too modest on that. Or, I think uh, you're well, eight. maybe higher on that. I, I think, think you might be an eight or ability nine. seven, um, skill eight or nine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I think they don't have any tens. I got more work to do. I think I'll always have more work to do. Right you on. Yeah. yeah. But I think knowledge is probably what I'm lacking the most. I mean, I have quite a bit, but I'm definitely most of my time is spent honing my skills and ability. Yeah, and I so think uh, yeah, and it's relative to keep that in mind. Tell, as relative well. to what I'm doing, you know? yeah. like you were talking about, I don't. Most of my people have they they don't know what the Krebs cycle is, and they don't care. They right. want to get stronger and faster, right? You know? yeah. I need to be able to know. I need to know those things, but I need to be able to dumb it down and say, right. protein is good. Yeah, yeah. So, and like you said, it's relative to who you're talking about. You know, so you can say you don't need to know those things, and yet you know 
about the Krebs cycle, and yeah. a lot of strength coaches don't. You know, but I mean, I rarely you, ever talk about it. Right, you know, right. So, all right, um, <clears throat> yeah. Doctor Nelson, how about you? Uh, rank yourself on a ten scale, K S A. Yeah, and the hard part is, you know, like Phil was saying, you guys are saying it's always even knowledge is very specific to the area you're talking about and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, um, yeah, there are many areas. Have, yeah, if you have to put numbers, eh, I'd say knowledge, maybe an eight, but it can be an eight for years. Uh, skills, yeah, seven. Ability, eh, maybe probably like a four. You know, I mean, if you compare yourself, not to yourself, but to other people doing equivalent things. Um, but again, depends on the area you're looking at too. Right. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, for knowledge, I would say for the eras that I like, I mean, you know, strength and power, you know, nutrition stuff, and I would say eight and a half, maybe a nine. Um, for skills, um, just for strong, you know, doing strongman events or competing, I would say um, uh, maybe a seven and a half or eight. And then for abilities, um, I'd say about a seven. I'll go seven, maybe seven and a half. Oh, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, so, I mean, there, I mean, and it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of relative, right? I mean, it's just keep that in mind. I mean, it's, you can't always compare yourself to what other people are doing because then you're just, you're not going to be focusing on yourself. But I think, um, I mean, there's always going to be room for improvement. And, and if you don't, if you're not putting yourself into a position where you're getting stronger and you want to learn more, then you might as well stay at a three for all those your entire life, right. you know. Um, so I, I think, um, I, you know, and, and it's just being humble, you know, um, and having a sense of humility, you know, with things. I mean, you can't. No one's ever going to be a ten with anything because nobody knows everything. Well, let me and give you an no, example. No one, yeah. Like when when uh, when we're at some of these conferences, you know, and uh, when we were in Spain, Mike, you remember uh, one of the people that presented was like the director of the world health organization yeah. right? and her yeah. goal they said her <laughs> job responsibility her job responsibilities are to set the health goals for planet earth for the next five years what so <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden my k number goes from nine down to about a four <laughs> you know yeah. because i'm so humbled yeah. like you were saying by it so it depends who you compared to who you know so you're yeah. right i think when we give these numbers we're sort of comparing it to maybe people in our cohort you know people that we run with or or by contrast we could compare ourselves to the general population i mean think about on the k thing i mean we're all going to be no offense but probably nines because the average person uh well the average american has like a what a seventh grade reading comprehension level you know or and they're and that's or their their knowledge of metabolism you know like i said it's it's not being cocky we're probably a nine compared to a lot of the gen pop um i think my numbers are going to be probably similar in some ways maybe most similar to you mike because as a teacher i've got to be high on the k you know so i mean i i i think about this objectively and it's hard not to sound cocky but i have about double the coursework of most phds i've got a license to practice nutrition i've really busted my ass i think i'm probably an eight or a nine on that yeah. stuff. And again, compared to who, though, you know, that number could atrophy badly. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing it for decades, yeah. not just a couple of years. On the skill side, <laughs> I think I'm probably only a six. And I really feel that like when I'm around coaches, because I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that best. You know, some of the, the basics like squat mechanics and that kind of stuff are things that I've done in the bodybuilding arena. Um, I'm good with those lifts, but a lot of the power lifts and stuff, I'm always quick to point out like at little seminars and whatnot, I'm not a power lifter. You know, I don't, I'm not a powerlifting coach, you know, so I'm kind of here for the K in the KSA. Uh, and I think on ability, maybe a five, you know, compared to people that I run with, again, compared to the average person, um, some of my PRs are way above what they'll probably do. But compared to like um, what a lot of bodybuilders or powerlifters can do, you know, the fact that in my 20s, I could get a couple of reps in the incline bench with 315, or squat 405 for solid sets of a dozen reps or so. Um, you know, I think that puts me at a five or a six on the ability side of things. Now, currently, probably not as high. My joints just won't have it. But, um, yeah, so it's fun to maybe listeners, you can do that for yourselves. You know, say on a, on each of these levels, where are you on a 10 scale? K, S, or A? Because I know we've got some real high ability listeners and we've got some real high knowledge 
listeners. Again, some of the muscle physiologists, you know who you are, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So just fun to kind of self-assess like that. All right. Uh, that's all talk. I've got. Good you guys, stuff. Yeah, it's good talk, I think. Yeah. yeah, and I think the biggest part we just went over, too, is that to know what you don't know. You know, and I think that's oh, the yeah. hardest part when you start is that especially if you don't have sort of a formal background or you haven't worked with a pretty high level coach or that type of thing, it's easy to read a few articles and go, oh, wow, I'm really good in this area. And you just sort of, Lonnie and I have talked about this too. So people who are talking maybe high level biochemistry but are kind of self-taught, they can be really, really good in some areas, but they kind of make these massive sort of leaps in logic yes. but they didn't realize that they kind of leapt over it because they don't know what don't they don't know. know so i think as people have more experience and more education one thing i've learned is that i know kind of more stuff but there's a lot more stuff i know that i know nothing about oh, yeah. <laughs> you know so you kind of yeah. know more your limits and that type of thing yeah absolutely no doubt all right let me finish with one quick thing guys um just a re-announcement uh, Dr. Nelson and myself, we're going to be in Japan next week, so you're going to get a Time Warp episode. We recorded it back in April. Uh, and uh, just so you know, it'll be in the archives on Iron Radio. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it gets pumped out on iTunes as well. Um, but we've got one in the hopper, and I'll put it on our Facebook page and all that sort of thing. Uh, so if you don't get it automatically updated through like iTunes or Stitcher or Deezer or any of these other ways that you listen to these apps, um, you can always go to ironradio.org and dig into our archives or go to our Facebook listeners page and you can get your, uh, get your fix that way. And how many years now has it been, Lonnie, that you guys have never missed an episode? Uh, uh what, six, seven? Uh, six. I think we're in year six. Yeah. 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 And I won't have it, right? I will. The, number one <laughs> rule. impressive. Phil and Rob and I sat down a long time ago. Number one rule, be there, right? If you're professional, like you yep. don't you don't get on the news and there's no news tonight because somebody's tired, you know, or the, your favorite TV show, they just didn't produce an episode because somebody had to travel. I mean, you know, I don't know, you got to be professional. Exactly. Okay. All right, thanks guys. Yeah, All right, thank you. Awesome. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. So we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet, 
or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.